Welcome to the She Impacts Culture podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Jen Bennett. This is a podcast for professional working women who want to impact and influence culture for Christ through their work and leadership. Twice a month, I will host a conversation with a trailblazing faith-based woman who is using her voice and expertise to make a difference. Today's guest is the one and only Deanne Turner, a two-time best-selling author, acclaimed keynote speaker, and a 33-year veteran of Chick-fil-A. Deanne Turner was the first ever female VP of Chick-fil-A. I don't know about you, but that excites me. Deanne and I met a little over a year ago in North Carolina when I was working at Wake Forest University. And from the moment I met her, I knew we just had to be friends. In today's episode, Deanne and I chat all about calling. What is calling? Can your vocation, career be your calling? How are they different? Character and why that is the foundation for career and life success. And lastly, Deanne shares some tips on where to begin if you find yourself really wanting to make a difference through your work and leadership, but you just don't know where to start. Friends, I pray that this episode would encourage you as you aim to impact and influence culture. Deanne Turner, I am so excited to have you on the She Impacts Culture podcast with me today. And I'm absolutely thrilled that you are the first official guest on this new podcast. Welcome. Oh, thank you so much, Jen. It is a pleasure to be with you today. And I'm I'm excited about all the things we're going to talk about. I am too. I feel like this is just going to be a conversation that is truly going to impact women so much because a lot of it's going to be around calling and vocation and leadership and all of those things that women today are really searching for clarity on. So I am just so excited to dig into this. But before we do that, I would love for you to share with our listeners just a little bit of information about yourself. Who are you? Where are you from? So go ahead, share any information that you would like to share. Well, first and foremost, I'm the wife of Ashley. Uh, My husband and I have been married. It'll be 38 years in June. We're not old enough for that, but we were we were kids uh, finding our way when we got married. We have three grown sons. Trenton is 30. Trevor is almost 27 next week, and Trey is 21. And uh, (laughs) so they have kept our lives busy all these years with sports and all of that. And then all of a sudden, the last one will graduate from college next year, and all that will come to an end for us. I am a writer. Uh, I am a speaker. Spent 33 years of my career with Chick-fil-A leading talent and sustainability. And when I'm not doing all these things, I enjoy uh, riding my Peloton when I'm at home in Atlanta and my paddleboard when I'm on Lake Cartwell in Northeast Georgia. I love that. Okay. And I think one day I saw a picture that you had posted where you were on a paddleboard or you were talking about it. And I was like, okay, I've got to try this. And I'll, I'll admit I'm a little bit scared to try it. So what was your experience like? Was it all good? Did you fall in the water? How did it go? <laughs> <laughs> 
Well, I love the water and I love all kinds of water sports and I've been doing that since I could barely walk. And uh, I got my first paddleboard for Mother's Day, I want to say about five years ago. And um, well, actually, my husband and I tried it on a vacation and it's super easy. And by the way, the bigger and wider the paddleboard, it's harder to paddle, but your balance is better. And so we, our first ones that we tried while we were on vacation were these great big wide paddle boards. And we had such a great time on these calm waters. So I asked for one for Mother's Day and I got an inflatable one. Let me tell you, oh those my. are hydrogen. So right. just be aware that they're easy to transport, but those, they're inflatable. That means they do their own thing. And then actually, when I retired from Chick-fil-A, Two and a half years ago, they gave me this really fancy boat board, B-O-T-E, and uh, they're, you know, top line paddle boards. And so now that, you know, I love being out there. I have one that you don't fall off very easily. I think you could do yoga on it, uh, <laughs> but I, I love it and I have no doubt you'll be great at it. Okay. So that's what I need to get. I need to get the one that will help me not fall over because I just have visions of myself falling over and then not being able to get back on the paddleboard. <laughs> just craziness. I, I don't like to fall. So yeah. especially at my stage in life and I literally step off the dock onto mine and step back on the dock. So uh, yeah, fiberglass paddle boards are great for stability. Okay, good to know. Good to know. All right, so let's dig in. I would love to start off our time together, our conversation with you sharing your story about how you originally thought your calling was to be in full-time ministry. And the reason I want you to share this is because I can so relate to this story. And I think this is one of the things that I first heard you speak on online via Propel Women. And I was like, oh my gosh, this woman understands. Like, that's exactly what I went through. I went to seminary. I thought I'd be in church ministry my whole life. And then obviously, um, my vocation, my career, my calling has taken a different turn. And so I would just love for you to share a little bit about that story. Sure. Well, and, and as I share the story, I realized that most people don't have this kind of experience in terms of feeling a calling from a really young age. Uh, but what started out for me is literally when I was eight years old, I decided I wanted to be a writer. I just knew that's what I wanted to be. And I never wavered from that. I, w I wanted to do that. And so um, when I was in high school, I was editor in chief of the uh, newspaper. I wrote a uh, novel for a, a class project. It was never published, but I wrote my first novel when I was 13. And I knew that's what I wanted to do. Went off to, to Bible college. And the reason I chose it, because it was a Christian college with a journalism program. And I felt like that, that I was going to put those two pieces together. I was going to be a full-time ministry and it was going to be around journalism, writing something in, in that career path. And so I get there, I meet my husband, who's studying to be a pastor. So that fits right into my calling. I'm going to be the pastor's wife that writes in the Christian space. Um, so all of that's falling into place and that, that followed my plan. We leave school. My husband graduates. I've not graduated yet. I actually end up graduating later, but he's graduated and um, his church opportunity brings us back to Atlanta, which is our home. 
And so I'm going to enroll in school to continue this journalism field, but I also have to get a job because we're now married and um, it helps pay the bills. So I can't get anything in writing. It's a recession. Jobs are scarce. But I find a job at this small advertising firm. And so I said, okay, that's close. Journalism, advertising, I'll use my skills there. And I get this job as a print coordinator at this small advertising firm. And I work for them for about 18 months. You know, this happens often when their jobs are scarce. We end up, you know, jumping into something. And I did without really looking at the culture of this organization. And it was really a toxic culture. And um, so my husband is a pastor at this church, which is close to the Chick-fil-A headquarters. And my job's on the other side of town, and we really need to get me closer to the headquarters. So between this toxic culture and the fact that we need to be close by, he suggests that I apply at Chick-fil-A. We've heard great things about the culture. Now, understand, I grew up eating Chick-fil-A, knew all about the great products, but really didn't know that much about the organization. Well, I apply. Two weeks later, I get a no thank you note from them. And uh, we don't have anything for you. And so I tell my husband, well, that's that. You know, I applied. They turned me down. He said, not so quick. He said, try again. So I did. And two weeks later, I got another version of that same no thank you letter. Well, then I'm intrigued. It's like, okay, who are these people? They they turned me down twice. I'm really interested here. So anyway, I keep pestering them and months go by. And my husband's at his church one day. And a lady comes in, she has a flat tire. Now, remember, this is way before cell phones. And so she, she has a flat tire and asks to use the phone. And my husband, who is really, truly a knight in shining armor kind of guy, um, says, oh, no need to. I'll change the tire for you. So he changes her tire. She gives him a card for a free Chick-fil-A sandwich. He said, oh, do you work at Chick-fil-A? And she says, well, I do. But my husband's being transferred. And so I've resigned my job. And he said, what? department do you work in? And she said, advertising. And he knew right then he was on to something. So he ushered her out of the church. He called me. He said, they have a job in advertising. I hung up the phone with him. I called them. I said, you have a job in advertising and I want to apply for it. And so that began a very long interview, months long interview process till I get to my final interview. Now I'm going somewhere with this long story here, Jennifer, because this is how our plan works sometimes is that you know, it has twists and turns. So I get to this final interview and the vice president of human resources said, hey, they're going to offer you this job in advertising, but I have a job in my department that I think you might be interested in. In fact, it was the opportunity to be his assistant. Well, I decided I like these people in HR and this would be kind of interesting for some variety for a little while. And then in a couple of years, I'd move back to marketing and pursue my calling as I knew it. And so there was an HR and I'm in there for a couple of years and I'm starting to question, you know, I was supposed to be the pastor's wife and which I still was, but um, this career in journalism, you know, pursuing full-time ministry and I'm in the corporate world, the chicken business, no less. And I'm in human resources. I'm not doing what I thought was my calling. And it didn't take me to realize that I actually was that the calling of my life While I would use those writing skills throughout my life, my calling was to help other people find their calling. And that's just what I was doing in that HR position. And once I understood that, it changed everything. From then on, every day was, um, you know, this, this 
this feeling of this perfect connection between I was doing what I was made to do. Gosh, I just, I love that story because again, I think it just relates to so many of us. We have these ideas in our mind of what our life is going to look like, what our calling, our exact calling is, and then things change. Things or go a little bit different. I mean, when I, you know, I went to seminary and I thought I was going to be in full-time church ministry and I was doing youth ministry. And then all of a sudden I found myself teaching middle school students at a public school. And I was like, wait a minute, this isn't what I thought I was supposed to do. And then over the years, it led to high school teaching and then being a school administrator and then getting back into marketing and communications and working from home and now teaching at the college level. Like I never would have imagined that. And I think one of the things that you mentioned here is that that was still ministry, what you were doing. Like ministry isn't just church ministry. And that's, I know something that the Lord has continued to show me through the years is that ministry happens wherever it is that he places us. And I just love that about your story that this was your calling, different than what you originally thought it was going to look like. And yet, as we can see now, you were used in some incredible ways. I was actually talking to somebody the other day, and um, she knows one of the Chick-fil-A operators that you brought on. And she was talking about just the impact that you have had on all of these individuals who are now Chick-fil-A operators and the impact that they are having on multiple people and how so much of that started with you and your ministry to those people and just the ripple effect that it's had. And so I, I love that. I love that story. Well, I always, Jen, I always like to say that Chuck Kathy provided all these people an opportunity but he allowed me to be his facilitator to do it. And mm. it truly was the greatest honor of my career was that opportunity to select those franchisees. True, it always said, we're not in the chicken business, we're in the people business. And people decisions are the most important decisions that any business makes. And for Chick-fil-A, it was always um, who we gave the, re- the keys to the restaurant to that was the most important people decision. So I, I loved having that opportunity. Yeah, absolutely. So let me ask you this. When you first started at Chick-fil-A, was there ever a point that you felt that you had missed your calling? Like when you first started there, you know, you went to a Bible college, um, Bible university, you married a pastor. Um, Did you ever feel at the beginning that maybe, I don't know, maybe I made a mistake. Maybe this isn't what I'm supposed to be doing. Is this really my calling? Did you ever have those moments? Yeah, I certainly questioned it. And, you know, the the funny thing about all of it was, is that, you know, as far as I was concerned, I was going to be the, the preacher's wife, stay home with the kids. Um, that was what I saw my future as being. And, you know, it, I got into this a couple of years and it was like, okay, am I doing what I'm supposed to be doing? And then I had that magical moment of recognizing, you know, that, that my path was helping other people find their path. My calling was helping other people find their calling. And um, that really, that really shifted in my mind. And I, and I recognized that at that moment, I really was fulfilling God's purpose in me. Now, 
that changed over time. I think that the if I gave you one thing for my whole life and, and one calling, I would say it's helping other people find their calling. But as we grow, as we mature, as we, we gain more wisdom, um, I think we're giving uh, our calling expands and we're giving given other opportunities um, to grow that. And over time, I mean, just like, you know, I told the story of how I always wanted to be a writer. Well, truly, my first, you know, published book didn't happen until four decades after that dream. So, you know, we never know when that's going to be fulfilled or the steps we have to take to fulfill whatever we thought um, it was. It, it just doesn't necessarily appear the day we graduate from college at 22 years old. For some people, it happens. But for most people, it's an evolution. You know, you grow into your calling. Absolutely. And I, again, I love that because I do. I think sometimes we think we have to have it all figured out right now and everything has to be perfect. And it's an evolution. We grow into that. Um, the dreams that we have, we may not see come to fruition until years later. And this is something actually I've been sharing with my college students right now because so many of them are getting ready to get into the marketplace. And I think for many of them, they think, I have to know exactly what I'm going to do right now for the rest of my life. And I think that can change. There's different seasons. There's different opportunities. God grows you, matures you. And quite honestly, I tell them I'm my mid forties right now. And I think it's just now that I'm starting to really get an even clearer picture of what my ministry is and what I'm supposed to be doing. <laughs> and, I th and actually, because I'm older than you, I think that continues. I mean, I know it continues, you know, where you, you just in different seasons of life, you have these aha moments. If you're walking in obedience and, you know, asking God for his guidance and let's not forget the other thing. And we both could tell stories, you know, this has not been a perfect path. We've experienced rejection. We've experienced um, disappointment. And I think that sometimes when that happens, and we're younger, we think, oh, okay. And we don't recognize what's really going on. Sometimes, you know, I, I say this all the time. When we experience disappointment, I believe one of two things is happening. Either God is protecting us from some kind of harm we cannot see, or he's about to provide something better for us. And I think that every time we hit disappointment, no matter how hard it is, if we can just pause and say, God is going about a plan. He always has a plan. And at this moment, his plan is different than what I can see. And if I can trust that, then eventually I'm going to end up where I'm supposed to be. Absolutely. God always knows what is best for us. So good. Okay. So you mentioned that our professions are the vocational fulfillment of our calling. Can you um, unpack that a little bit. I guess my question is, can our vocation career be our calling? How are they different? Um, what do you mean when you say our professions are the vocational fulfillment of our calling? I think at the time I wrote that, I was actually trying to define what work is. And I have, I feel a little differently since I wrote that. And that happens sometimes. Right. And so, especially the more people I meet and I understand, I think the sweet spot is when our profession can match up with their calling. And that's the experience I had, even though I didn't know that's what was happening at the time. That's the experience I had. 
Now, here's the other part of it. I could have just looked at it as a career in, uh, in human resources and actually never had that realization of what my role was had I not been seeking God's guidance in that. Okay. For some people, for whatever reason, they're, prof- they're called to do something that their profession just doesn't meet. It just, it just doesn't. They do something else to earn a living that doesn't quite match what they feel called to do. And if you're a person in that situation, this is where my thinking's opened up a little bit. If you're a person in that situation, then you have a lot of opportunities outside your vocation to live out that calling. So I'm not going to use any examples because I think that lots of people have found a calling that the the, uh, profession that they connect to their calling. But if you feel like, hey, I have this profession and I can't find my calling in it, then that's the opportunity when it's um, avocational. You know, and you look at volunteer opportunities or ways to, that you serve and spend your time outside of what you do to make a living. And, you know, at some point that might be your goal. It's like, OK, I'm going to do this for now because this is what meets my current need. This is where God's placed me. I'm going to live this out. But my expectation is at some point, you know, I'm going to spend those 40 plus hours a week doing something that matches more to my calling. But I think that. Um, lots of people find themselves in situations in life where they might not find that their calling it, it there or that their work is really matching their calling. And so they serve that out in other ways. But then on the other hand, you know, I think there's always the opportunity um, when you really understand your calling to sit back and go, okay, in what ways is my vocation fulfilling that calling? And it might be, for example, uh, serving other people. Okay, well, most every role that we have serves somebody. And so how does that connect, you know, asking yourself, how does that connect to my calling? But I I think that's two different ways that I look at is that sometimes we need to be more introspective about how our work really can match our calling and look beyond what's on the surface. And then secondly, if we can't find that, then we have the opportunity outside of our vocation to serve and to Uh, connect our volunteer work to our calling. Yeah, I can remember a specific time in my life where I was in a specific job and there were parts of it that I liked, but there were parts where I just felt like it wasn't fulfilling that deeper calling within me. And there was something specific that I felt could help enhance that calling that I had. And I'll never forget going to my supervisor and asking them, can I like bring this about in my role? Can I start doing this? And my supervisor agreed to it. And doing that thing brought about this much, I don't know how to say this, this much deeper feeling of me living into my calling Mm -hmm. by just going to my supervisor and asking if I could bring this aspect that I was really passionate about into my job. And for me, that made all the difference. And then much like you said, there were times where I was in positions where my, my vocation at that time did not feel like my calling, but I was able to get involved in church activities, community activities that helped fulfill what I felt like God was calling me to at that time in my life. So I really appreciate you sharing that, that you might find parts of it in your vocation. And then there might be times in your life where you have to go outside of your vocation to actually fulfill those 
those places where you feel God is leading you to. I love, I love your story of that. And I think of actually a time when I made a leadership mistake that I missed this for somebody. I, I had an employee that had a major responsibility that, that reported to me and she handled this responsibility so well, so well that I was certain she was the right person for the job. But she kept talking to me about a really huge shift from what she was doing. And my mindset, because I had always known her in this career path, I actually couldn't envision, even as an HR professional, I couldn't envision her in this 180 she was talking about, you know, in making this shift. And honestly, um, I just had to get out of her way. And now I watch her and she's flourishing. Just absolutely. She was, she was handling that other responsibility well. But I couldn't even see the potential in her because she was in the wrong calling and she was trying to tell me and I wasn't seeing it. But now she's flourishing in that. So I, I think that's great that you did that. And I really encourage, you know, going and asking, hey, can we make this shift? Can we can I add this to my job responsibilities? Because I'll feel more like I'm in line with my calling if I can just do this one other thing in addition to everything else. Right. And I feel like. As leaders, when we have people that we are partnering with, that we are working with, when we are able to give them opportunities like that to go and try something, I don't know. I know for me that it just brought this whole new passion to my role and what I was doing. And all of a sudden, I started getting really excited about getting up in the morning again and going to work because I had this new um added responsibility that I wanted, that I felt like mm-hmm. really was a part of who I was. So what a great um, leadership lesson there for all of us and helping to try and see the potential in people. And if they come to us with um, a desire to add a little bit more on their plate about around something that they really enjoy, maybe giving them the opportunity to do that because it could really change things up. I've also heard you say that sometimes you have to do what God gave you to do before you can do what God made you to do. I love that. I've seen that in my own life. Can you explain that a little bit more? And did you experience that in your own life? Yes. And there's two times that I think about this specifically. The first isn't that ad firm I talked about that I went to work for. Um, you know, that was an important part of my path. And, you know, it, 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 without that experience, I wouldn't have lined up to been in the, uh, uh, you know, a, a job.